Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, Joe Lavecki. Joe is an independent producer. He is the founder and owner of Noble Savages, a production company based in New York. Joe has been a producer for many years. He had an interesting journey starting, well, I'll let you listen to it, but an unexpected path to where he is today. We talk all about that, his involvement in a little show called Deal or No Deal, and why you as a producer may want to work with him. Here we go. Okay. You worked with Rush Limbaugh? I did. <laughs> We're yeah. picking up right there. What, what, what? Yeah. What, yeah. what no, can, no. Give, this is the beginning of it all? Yeah. Well, to, I went to school for radio and my first job was at WABC and it was Joy Behar. And, Lucky you. Uh, you got R- to the number one market. Rush Limbaugh and all these people. And I was a board engineer and I was B-O-R-E-D. And uh, <laughs> so I quickly got out of that and then went into television. Oh my, wait, did, so you met Rush? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He a total dick? Uh, jerk off. Total... Total jerk off. Was he addicted to Oxy back then? Uh, he was just, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't work with him close enough for, uh, I was just a peon. Um, there, there was a funny story when I was uh, working for Joy. She used to call me Benjamin, like from The Graduate. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. She's like, you're cute. I'm going to call you Benjamin. <laughs> I love her. I still love her. That's yeah. very funny. Did yeah. you call her Mrs. Robinson? No. I was just like, <laughs> thank you, Joy. So she started radio too? Oh yeah, yeah. She was good. She was really funny. She's a stand, right? Like a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she's like an old-timey. Right, and everyone thinks she's Jewish, but she's Italian. Yes, (laughs) she she feels more Jewish than Italian. (laughs) Speaking as an Italian. Uh, Yes. So, do you start? Did you think you wanted to go into radio? Was that your thing? No, I was. You know, when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to do something with writing, and then you know, radio just sort of, uh, you know, I don't know. I like the vibe down there at the station. You could do what you want. People were cool. You don't have to do hair and makeup. You know, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was kind of a nerd. I was also in the TV department. I think I told you this. I went to school with Barry Posnick. Ah, and so, at MGM. Uh, yeah. For our, for our listeners. Yes, home. exactly. So anyway, so I was, uh, I did the TV stuff. I did the radio stuff. And, um, did you go to Emerson? No, I went to Hofstra. Hofstra, okay, yeah. Long Island. Long Island, and uh, the TV department at Hofstra was a little precious. And <laughs> at you know the radio station, you could just do whatever, um, which was great. It's like the know? rebels went to the radio. Yeah, exactly. Like like I was in uh, Memphis, and I wandered into the like the Blues Foundation, started talking to the guy, and I was like, "Hey, do you know?" Because I was really into blues. I was like are there any of the old guys left like who played with like Robert Johnson and yeah. Brian Lemon Jefferson? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, talk to them all the time. I said, how about I create a, a blues show? You bring them down here. I'll put them on the air. He's like, oh my God, they would love that. And I did it and they would told all their old stories and how these songs. Oh, wow. About. Wait, that was in New York or you did that in Memphis? So I or- no, I did it in New York, but through this guy... He would bring them to his studio. He would bring them to his studio. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, you know, because it was like a history lesson, but also, you know, with America and then there was race involved. And So you were creating shows just on the radio at yes, that point. Yes, exactly. So then what made you make the transition to TV? 
Was that just sort of a natural one? Uh, you know, it. W- I mean, to be honest with you, it was desperation uh, because uh, <laughs> it usually is. <laughs> I um, I couldn't find a job at a college. I sent out sixty six resumes. That's it. And uh, <laughs> you know, all blind uh, to advertising agencies, all these kind of places, and all in New York. Uh, yeah, all in New York, and I was bartending, and I was living in my parents' basement, and it just sucked balls. <laughs> and then. Um, my mother's like, you know, you could be a manager of, of my company. And my mother had a cleaning service. Oh, that's exciting. I was like, Mom, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I love I you. I went to college like, for this. Exactly. So anyway, of course, she worked for a guy who had a teleprompting business. And then I started working for him as like the eighth man of. So like if, every, oh if the other seven people got booked. Then he would book me. Right? That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, now back in the day. So when I started in local news, the teleprompter is not the teleprompter that people know now. We would have physical pieces of paper on a prompter, and then someone would work it by rolling yeah. the papers. Yeah. Was that you? Well, I did that for Peter Jennings. Oh, cool! Uh, for, That's and, a lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh my uh, god! And you have to tape it together. Right, right. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it's not like I, you know did world news tonight every night. Like I did it a couple of times, but it was pretty cool. Was he uh, nice? He's great. Yeah. He was great. I mean, yeah. he's the real, de- he was the real deal. Oh yeah. You know, he's a high school dropout. I do know that. Yeah. I, I don't tell my daughter that because I want her to stay in school. But yeah. when I, people are past that point, I go, oh, you'll be fine. Peter Jennings didn't go to high school. That's right. And there's like some other famous people, like smart, famous people that didn't go to high school. Yeah. I'm spacing on. Well, co- you know, the whole, I don't want to get off on the college system, but like, cause I'm in the middle of paying <laughs> yeah. for my, I was going to say, you, college. are you both your daughters in college? Uh, one is, and it's a total scam. Oh, it's 100%. I, I hate it. I, <laughs> I, I fucking hate it. And it's not right. And, uh, I think it is changing. I think that like my kids' kids won't feel like they have to go to traditional college. And but do you know how many people you know. in our business have not gone to college? I mean, when's the last time you hired someone and asked them what college they went to? Never. Right. I mean, could you care less where your editor went or no. where your field producer no. went? I will say that every once in a while, like if I see, like someone like went to Dartmouth right. or something like in the back of my head. I'm like, Oh good. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, the funny thing for me was that I went to graduate school at Northwestern, which was considered the number one journalism school in the country. So I was, you know, thought my shit didn't stink. And I go to my first job in Bangor, Maine market 155. Oh my God. And my, uh, the managing editor under the news director said, Oh, you know that degree from Northwestern? I'm like, yes, I do. He's like, yeah, leave that at the door. No one gives a shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that pretty much was it. I never spoke of it again because uh, it means nothing. Yeah. I paid $30,000, you know, to somebody else to, for no reason. Why well, I could have just been an AP, you know, a well, PA somewhere. Um, I I revered Northwestern when I was going through <laughs> well, the there process. You go. No, I really did. And I got waitlisted there. Damn. Um, so, and then I wanted to go to NYU, but we couldn't afford it. I got uh, to NYU. It's a and great so school. I was very poor growing up. <laughs> so let's, let's um, start at the beginning. Yes. Well, first I realized we jumped right in with Rush Limbaugh. I didn't, I always start by saying how I know my guest. And I was thinking okay. about this this morning, like, how do I know Joe? So you and I met, it was probably about six years ago when you were at CMT. That's right. And you bought a show from us. Do you remember? I do. Yeah. yeah. The it Hannah was these crazy, these crazy girls and doing a talk show out of their truck. Were they like slightly racist? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. 
more than slightly. You know, in the in in the prism of 2018 and everything we've been through, yeah. that show would not sell today. No, uh, but back then it was just good, clean fun. Yeah, um, they were slightly racist, but we didn't really see it the same way. And yeah, uh, so yeah, so you and I just hit it off. I thought you had you know great ideas, Thank and you. and we got along, and then yeah. um, we'd done some work together, and we even have some current projects together. That's right. And I wanted to have you on because you're my friend, but also because I think it's a really interesting time in the business in general. And I think like, you know, the sort of the little guy, like you're an independent, you're a small nimble company. I think that's an interesting perspective that I haven't really had yet. I mean, I've had some people more like at the beginning that have gotten a lot bigger, you know, like Eli and Aaron who kind of had this crazy growth from the beginning. But I think it's an interesting time to be an independent and I think there's a lot of advantages of it. So I, I don't want to go there yet, okay. but okay. I'm setting the stage. I will. Yes, Give I got that. Give that some thought. Yes. And also you do something really cool that people should check out. Kind of like the written podcast version yeah. of what I do, although it's a lot more personal. And um, which is cool in its own way, because it's not really about career and right. all of that. So you want to just like jump in on what that's about so people can check that out? Yeah. So I do this thing called Close Up with Joe Lavecki and it's on, uh, you can find it on realscreen.com and then I, I put it on LinkedIn and my whatever Facebook stuff after. But basically I, I got tired of all the executive interviews where it's all like bullshit, and, <laughs> you know? So I was like, uh, what if we just do one where you talk about who you are and this and that? And so I, you know, I've done about half a dozen of them and I try to get really, really personal. Um, and by the way, you can ask me anything you want uh, for this. Now I, we're turning the tables. Yes. But, um, but you do, you get really like, I read, you've probably done about five of them or yeah, so? something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think everyone I know that you've done and, and a hundred percent new information on every single person. Yeah. Just, and like people really open up to you. Yeah. Well, I take that. I mean, you're very good at this. And I always felt like, you know, with what we do, I always, and I love talking to people, interviewing people. And I always just take the assumption that I could just ask you whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) I could ask you about your sex life. I could ask you about your, your, how much money you make, anything, what your biggest fears are. I can call bullshit on what you say. And it's all because of this microphone, you know, where if if it wasn't the microphone here, you'd be like, who are you? Get out of my face. You're so fucking nosy. But now with the microphone, it's like, no, I'm just doing my job. And you know what I say to them? I say, I'm just in search of the truth. (laughs) You're You're a searcher. It is true though, because when you when you when you scratch, when you really get to the truth, it's always the most interesting stuff. But you really do draw very personal, interesting, poignant stories out of people. And I'm curious what your guests' reactions have been after you write it. Um, you know, for the most part, it's positive. I, you know, because I get so personal, uh, and you know, this is, I guess like, you know, a business, uh, you know, site, I never want to publish anything that someone's going to regret having said, you know, so, um, and also they're all buyers, so you, can't you know, and they're all <laughs> buyers too, you know, so, uh, you know, so we just talk about it. And if someone's really uncomfortable with something, you know, it's, uh, it's redacted, right. uh, but uh, I try to encourage them to let their vulnerabilities out there. And, uh, you know, I say it's it's going to serve you well, you know, because then people won't think you're an asshole buyer. No, it's true. And also you're a really, really good writer. So oh, I thanks. think that, that is also, you know, sort of a unique 
I mean, I think you hear this all the time in our business. There's not a lot of writers. Right. I mean, it's a frustration, actually. Right. Just like, yes, it is. Like the English language just eludes. Yes. You know, you can be a great field producer and not know how to put a sentence together. Yes. It's gone the way of the Victrola. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, speaking of Victrola, back to the olden days. Okay. So, you came up, I was looking at your bio today. Um, you were doing like interstitials back in the day. Yeah. So you were kind of bouncing around, I guess, between news and talk about sort of the early days before you got into quote unquote reality. Oh yeah. So, um, I, you know, I was kind of like, you know, those dogs are like mutts. They're a little <laughs> bit of everything. Yeah. That's kind of like my foundation. Like there's nothing sexy or cool or distinguished about it. I just fucking did. I just wanted to be in this business. I would do anything. I did anything. I, you know, my whole line was all out hustle anyone. And looking back, I just, I really worked my ass off. And I, uh, I worked on Good Morning America, you know, where I did teleprompter and whatever they wanted me to do. And who know, were the anchors back then? Oh, was it gosh. Diane and Charlie? Uh, Joan London and Charlie. Oh, Gibson. wow. Okay. And so, Joan, you, they would, they would, you know, write the questions and then write the answers for her you know, from the pre-interviews, Charlie would just have the questions. Yeah. He's Charlie proud. actually read the books. He's jo- a smarty. Jo- oh, my. So smart. Yeah. Did you watch him get his hair put on too? No, I, I didn't was, watch that. We do. I did a piece on Diane Sawyer back when I was at Oxygen. Um, and we were there at 4am with them getting ready and I saw them literally put his hair on. That's really funny. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, but that was great. I, you know, I enjoyed that. And then I worked on Maury Povich for Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, your dirty little secret. For, uh, for five years, which was probably... Were you a producer? So I, I was doing teleprompter. And <laughs> that was your thing. You were really good at that. I was... That was my passion, <laughs> you know? If so, only you could find a good uh, place for that But now. the funny thing is, this is so much like my personality. Like they would... You know, I was the prompter guy and, <laughs> and, and I would kind of rewrite the copy. That's hilarious. And then one day... And I was doing this for like... That is so you. Like a month. <laughs> and then one Nobody day, noticed. You no know, one noticed. Executive producer's like, what, what? Wait, that's not that's not what I wrote. I was like, yeah, I just I kind of cleaned it up a little. Oh, that's amazing. She's like, don't do that. Yeah, I was like, I've been doing that for like a month. Maury sounded better than ever. Yeah. Um, now was that pre? Was that who's your daddy, Maury, or was that before? No, it started his, out as a new show. It was like it really a real did. show. It was a real show, and yeah. then four months in, Paramount's <laughs> like, fuck this. All right. Let's bring you know Richard Simmons and um, <laughs> you know I mean. You know, Maury did my 600-pound life before it was... It was ahead of its time. You know, know, all those shows. Sally, all those guys. It's pretty amazing, right? They were really the precursor. Yeah. I I don't know about prompter money, but but talk show money back in the day. I remember I was up for a job at um, Montel. Yeah, and the money. I was like, it's good. I, I mean, I could. My career could have gone a really different way had I taken that job. But yeah. that money, I was like, ooh, it was very tempting. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Right. The, mo- it, the, the it, money was good, and uh, I liked working on a stage, and you know, kind of yeah. coming and going and stuff. But um, you know, I mean, after a certain point, you do feel kind of dirty. You're like, uh, what the fuck am I doing? You know, these, these people come in every day. I mean, now I'm doing a show on complexity science and scale theory and, you know, I was doing, (laughs) but, uh, you know, Hey, it was, it was how I got started and it was how I kind of got into doing promos. By the way, Maury is a cool guy. Yeah. Um, I'm only heard the best things about him. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. uh, And he and Connie still married. I mean, what does that say? Yeah. No, no. I, um. Do you yeah. keep in touch? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's nice. Not a lot, but you know, I spoke to him a couple months ago and every once in a while I have some kind of focaccia idea. I'll right? like throw it by him and he's like, Levecki, <laughs> uh, all right, <clears throat> if you can get this going, I'm in. I love it. I uh, feel like he would be up for anything. Yeah. He just likes to work and, yeah. uh. Connie, is it? I've, I've, do you know Connie too? You know, I met her and like it was a couple of parties with her. I, I can't say I know her though. Um, when at the same time I was doing the Diane Sawyer, the other uh, part of the show was um, Leslie Stahl and Connie and Leslie go wow. way back at CBS. Yeah. And I remember I saved back in the day with the voicemail, you know, um, at work, I saved this voicemail forever from Connie. It was, it would make me cry just thinking about it. Just so effusive, just how lovely I, the interview was and how much, you know, how oh, great wow. I was. I mean, it just like, she didn't even need to call me. Yeah. I saw like, she is someone special. That is really, really yeah, cool. I've always liked her. Yeah. All those CBS, damn rather like it's just good. You know, yeah. less Moonves. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the best. Only the best. The, yeah, he's a gem. <laughs> he's a real gem. Okay, so then, all right, so then what happened after Maury? So after Maury, then I uh, I got a job at ABC. And I was at local ABC or the, no, the no, big for ABC? The, no, for the network. Okay. And I was like in their marketing team uh, oh, right. doing, doing stuff for them. Um, is, I'll tell a story really quick, but it was kind of funny. So I was doing these like off air, like presentations and sizzle, whatever. I don't know. And uh, this was back when companies would spend like $150,000 <laughs> on an off air tape for like a meeting in Phoenix. Wow. It was crazy. So uh, I was doing one of those for ABC. And again, I was interviewing the head of marketing and he was telling me his strategy. And I was saying, no, say it like this. And he goes... Well, it's my strategy. I think I know like what I'm saying. I said, but I said, you know what you're saying. You're just not saying it right. It's awesome. And I, and I have to put it together. So I'm going to be up late in the edit room. So just say it like this. And he that's laughed. That's where your producer crown, that's where they brought in your producer crown. Yeah. Well, also, you know, I didn't give a fuck. I right. was just like, uh, and then we were walking down the hallway. He's like, you know, I could use someone like you around here. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you hire me then? So uh, anyway, then I, then I got a call from Gray Advertising and um, I knew that Gray was losing the ABC account. And so Gray, I didn't, I didn't know what Gray called me in for. So Gray called me in and, and Gary Logue's like, ah, Joe, um, I'm really nervous about our ABC account. I want you to help me put together something to help so we don't lose the account. Uh -oh. And I just said, you know what? I'm doing some stuff with them. It would be a conflict. Um, and then I just ran out of there and... But you knew there was no saving the but account. But I knew there was no yeah. saving. Yeah. Ouch. And then anyway, so I wound up getting um, a job uh, at ABC and I did that for a couple of years. And that's how I came to L.A. came to L.A. Yeah. and I did stuff uh, for TGIF. Uh, like the, oh, TGIF the, for AB, like that for ABC, campaign. Like, or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, you know, I worked with um, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC oh, and Spice Girls so it was like early aughts? It was or late the, 90s? Not even. It was the late 90s. Okay. I had the, the Backstreet Boys put on a whole, con I called up. I was like, come on, let's do a concert. They put on a whole concert that I cut down to three minutes. I love it. <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, so I, I got to do some, <laughs> I got to do some fun, cool stuff. By the way, that should be the length of a back, Backstreet Boys yes. concert. I think you did them justice. Yes. Like the best three minutes. Yeah. That's all you need. That's it. I was like, this is enough. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so so I was like a marketing promo guy who you know wanted to do shows, and I was there. It was during the time of Roseanne and Home Improvement, whatever, all that stuff. 
And then uh, I got a job at, M at NBC and I was a vice president creative director in the marketing group. And that's where I really learned a lot. Like I, I got to direct, I got to write, I ran a creative group. You know, I had been a manager. I was kind of a shitty manager when I was young. Um, I just, uh, you know, I worked really, really hard and I expected everyone to do what I did. And, um, you know, it took me some time to realize how to motivate people and how to get people to want to win for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, if what's I, the number one way? I just think, you know, people want to be treated with kindness and respect. People want you to be direct, thorough, have your shit together. Um, I always say managing expectations is, is the key to life. Right. Because, uh, you know, too often, like the communication in what we do is just it's not enough. So I try to really communicate what my expectations are. I, you know, I try to give people a chance to ask questions, make sure your timeline is right. What do you think the biggest mistake is managing up? Like what what would you say to like, you know, 24 year old Joe Lavecki? Oh, I wasn't very good at that either. Um, so <laughs> say, get out of the business, buddy. You know, uh, I was not, um, you know, like there's this saying, you know, that people say, oh, you know, because I worked at three networks, right? Uh, ABC, NBC, and CMT. And there's certain people who just stay for a long time. People say, oh, he's a survivor. He's a survivor. Survivor is code for like backstabber. You know, oh, wow. Yeah, douchebag. Right. So, um, I'm just learning this now. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, if someone's a survivor, Good to know. it means that right. it means they'll They're stab you in the back right. and like they'll go where the wind blows. Um, wow. But uh, that's a whole nother story why <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way over here. Like, in a way, I give a lot of network executives a pass in that the system is not really set up for anyone like to be a good person and good executive. <laughs> it's like you have to kind of choose. Wow. You know? Um, There's a few. They're there few and are, far between. There are a few. Uh, but I've um, named them before on the podcast. Yeah, no. They know who they are. Yeah. But it's very hard. No, I agree. No, there because are. Because if you know them yeah. outside of their job, you like them as the person. Yeah. But if you know them as the exec, a lot of times you don't like them as the exec. Yeah. Or, or you well people who like really like you know Gina McCarthy to me is like one of the gems like love her just so I agree she's both so smart yeah and thorough very direct very direct yeah you know like all, like all the things you're supposed to be yeah knows what she wants yeah but I I, I want to answer your question about managing up yeah so um look I do you know I'm a little old school in that I do believe your job is to make your boss look good so uh, you never like Icarus, you never want to fly too close to the flame <laughs> uh, and get burned by the sun. So you do stuff to make your boss look good. You try to stay one step ahead of what you think he's going to ask you for. Yes, 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 yes. That's, that's a really big one. Um, you know, anticipating and, needs. Yeah, anticipating needs. And you want to communicate that you really do care and you just want to be there to help make what he's doing better or she uh, or she <laughs> yes absolutely uh and then also like here's a good one right that um a lot of times um people will like people who are who who do ha who do want to please and who are hard workers uh which is a great trait but they'll say to their boss what can i do what can i do 
And uh, that's a place where I think really what you need is you need to be clear with what your boss wants from you. If you don't know that, you need to ask like clearly. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of need to go do that. Yeah. And instead and stop of saying, asking. stop asking. Yeah. And then just come back and say, hey, I did X. Hey, yeah. I did Y. Your boss wants something to react to. Yeah, 100%. He doesn't want to like tell you, oh, you know, uh, go to, I, I, I yeah. don't know what, you know, right. like I'm dealing with a zillion things. Right. Bring right. me something good that I can give you some feedback on. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think it's hard because, listen, I think it's hard to be a good manager too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not my I'm better. Suit. I'm better now, by the way. Yeah, well... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a little. I still, I still screw up. Uh, but, you're very uh, direct, though, which I appreciate. I definitely feel like a, you know, a New York kinship with you yeah. in terms of how you communicate, and I'm pretty direct too. Yeah. So yeah. I think we work well on that level. Yeah. Like, just cut through the bullshit. Yeah. Who has time? Yeah. It's just a waste. You know. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then you got into some overall deals. Yeah. So, so I was in a bunch of overall what those deals are to the uninformed. They're basically like indentured servitude. <laughs> I was so, not expecting you to say that. Yeah. That's hilarious. So anyway, so, so, you know, when you're young and like someone's like, yeah, you're going to be, and by the way, I, you know, I was blessed, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. I really was like, they pay you a lot of money to sit in a room and come up with ideas. Right. Right. Um, I always imagined it was like writers in the forties, you know, that's funny. With all the typewriters. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Insert the, the sound effect. So, so it was, can we say who, who the company? Oh yeah. yeah. I was at, I was at Endemol for five years. I was at uh, ITV for like three years. And then I was at the BBC worldwide for about a year. And in each case, I don't know how it is today, but back then the deals were awful. They were terrible. Like they would just, and that's why I say it was indentured servitude and they would, you would have your rate, right? Which is like, Oh, if I sell a network show, I make $20,000 an episode. Um, which sounds great. Really? So it wasn't done with percentage of the EP fee or the budget or any no, of that? Oh, that's interesting. No. I think that's changed. Uh, yeah, Maybe so, not with the really big guys, yes. but I know. In so terms you would of- have your, you rate and I don't, I don't want to get into all the things because yeah. it was so difficult. Like yeah. if, <laughs> if, you know, it would be boring, but right. there, but there were all these but different things. was it formulas. done to motivate you? I mean, was that the underlying? There were incentives. There, yeah. there definitely were incentives. You know what it was? It was, it was, they parsed out intellectual property in such a way that you were actually competing with your employer. So like they had people who worked for them. And if obviously if those employees created a big hit show, they didn't have to pay anything out. I was an outside producer. If I created the same show, I got like, you know, a certain back end or whatever. It's so confusing. And it was, well, Beyond confusing, to me, it was just stupid. It was like... Well, th- uh, what I mean is like, how do you know... I, I guess when I think of confusing, I think of, you know, I always wondered like at the all three medias of the world, yeah. you know, when something comes in through the agents and you've got 16 different little shops under this one umbrella yeah, and they're all developing the same stuff. Yeah. Like I, that's the confusion to me. Yeah. Like who figures out who's doing what? Yeah. And then you're all competing against each other, but you're all working for the same person. Yes. Right? It, it seems is, like a shit uh, show. Yeah, it's a little bit kind of like... And they always say, oh, it just works out. Yeah, well, because <laughs> well, because there's really no way to police it. So it is, I guess it's survival of the fittest. It's, you're all going to compete and, who you know, whoever wins, wins. And Did you have any, um, what were your greatest successes out of those three overalls that you can point to that you're really proud of? Um, 
let's see. You know, I did do a bunch of uh, stuff for, I almost, I did almost exclusively stuff for broadcast networks. And I guess what was cool was I, uh, I created everything I did except for like two things. So that I liked, um, I, I never really had my big hit, to be honest with you. Well, you were uh, involved with Deal or No Deal, right? I was, uh, but that's a whole other story. Oh, come um, on. I mean, the story, you know, Mark Itkin told uh, the story on some panel once, but the, the story is very, very... He's well, an agent. Yeah. Uh, the story is very simple. And actually, part of the story is, again, my naivete, my, like, I, I kind of fucked it up for myself in that I had just started Endemol. And they gave me the format. They said, "Where did it come from?" Uh, it's uh, was it? Uh, it was. I don't know if it was. Well, I don't know if John Demall created or Dick Derek. I don't know. But anyway, okay. one of those. But it was in America. It wasn't like in another country. First. No, no, no. It was and okay. and and um, Deal or No Deal had like eight games, and okay. the thing with the you know the the suitcases was right. one of them. Ah. But it was number one in like thirty-seven countries and. They said, can you figure this out? And so I said to my agent, hey, if I figure this out, should this like be something that I should get like a little piece of? Right. Like, because I'm, you know, adding to it. And he said, yes, the worst advice in history, uh, because I would say to anyone listening, if someone gives you a format, <laughs> you it's a format. Someone else created it. Right. If, just because you adapt it, you don't own it. Don't try to own it. Yeah. Just move just, on. Just be grateful for right. the opportunity. Right. Put on your resume. So anyway, I um, I was giving in, you know, and I, like I was, you know, I was giving, I was telling Endemol, like, yeah, I should get a little piece of this and this and that, and they're like, I don't know, and then uh, Scott St. John got a first look there like right after me mm -hmm. and he had done some game stuff and then they came in like you know what don't worry about that one and then they gave it to scott oh wow uh, yeah and uh and then the funny thing uh and scott and i were friends for like 10 from 10 years before that so i've known him forever he's he's a good guy odd but um <laughs> but a very good guy <coughs> and anyway I don't know. Is did he end up being the showrunner for the for? He Dylan ended up being the showrunner, okay. and you know the funny thing is when the show sold to ABC, they did six episodes, and they wouldn't approve Scott on his own. They brought in this other guy, like you know, because they wouldn't approve him. And uh, uh, I think Stephen Brown was his name. And the episodes were done. ABC never aired them. Shelved them. Oh, really? Yeah. And then what happened was they were taking it everywhere. Everyone was turning it down. And uh, I was having lunch with uh, my friend Jason Dinsmore. And mm -hmm. I pitched him a bunch of stuff. He and he was at NBC at the time. He was at NBC. Right. He hated it all. He said, <laughs> he said I really need like um, a proven game show with ratings. Oh, I said, oh, my God, we have that. And uh, he goes, bring it in tomorrow. Get Riley in the room. So I ran back to Endemol. I said, what's going on with Deal or No Deal? I said, oh, we pitched it to NBC. They passed. I said, who'd you pitch it to? They said, we pitched it to Linda Fennell in, this, in the syndicated group. And this was back before game shows were on network at the time. Obviously, okay. they were on like, you know, decades right, ago. Right, back in the good old days. But like, you know, in the early 2000s. Right, people weren't buying game shows. No. So anyway, um, I was like, you pitched the wrong group. Go in there tomorrow. Go in there tomorrow. And, you know, had they, had I not 
given them that piece of intel, I don't think they would have went in there. I have two words, Joe. Yeah. Agent fee. And uh, <laughs> how did you not get any some type of fee? I I I, I got zero. And uh, I mean that's something, right? I mean, you got it on NBC. Basically, I'm going to give you all the credit. Well, I was <laughs> I was a you know I don't know a liaison, a catalyst. I don't right. know what you want to call it. An agent. It. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, and uh, so I did help make that happen. And you know, and how did you know Dinsmore? Oh, because I had sold him the first reality show I ever did. I sold to him. Uh, it was called The One That Got Away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was his first show. So we did that together and we bonded on that. Um, and he was... Was that, the, was that Eva Longoria's show? No. What was that, what was no, that one? No, she did a big... She did a really big... Like a dating format dating later, format. right? But the yeah. one that got away wasn't a dating format? No, it was. Oh. But like this was, you know... Yeah, it was just something, I, okay. something else. And did, was it, did it go to series? They did it as a special. Oh, nice. And uh, it aired, a two-hour special. It was like a backdoor pilot, and then then that was it. Okay, so he ended up, that relationship ended up coming full circle because then he hired you later at CMT. Yeah, but I would say this, just to close the loop on the deal and no deal thing, is that, uh, yeah, there was a piece of me who was like, gosh, I wish I got like, (laughs) you know, like $1,000 an episode or something. Or like, hey, here's a little something or whatever. Um, but then there's this other piece of, and then I will tell you what I did get is that, uh, Eugene Young, who I love. That's the second time uh, he's come up in the last two days. And someone said, you have to get him on the podcast. Oh, you you (laughs) do. I wrote it down on my phone. No, you have to. Oh, I know who told me. Ryan, do you know Ryan O'Dowd at BBC? No. He said, he goes, you have to have Eugene Young on the Uh, podcast. He's insane. He's totally out of his (laughs) mind insane. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so funny. What what I got from doing that deal or no deal thing was I got good karma and uh, Eugene really was looking out for me. And, you know, there was like a moment in early in my run at Endemol where I wasn't sure if I was going to get renewed or not. And he really went to bat for me and helped me. And, you know, basically I was went from like 10 months there and not sure what was going to happen. Then I was there for five years. Um, and you know, you had to, you had to earn your meal like yeah. you know, all the time. It was right. hard, but you uh, mean you had to come up with a certain amount of shows that sold like there was oh, that, yeah, 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 there was yeah. which is, metrics. which is the way it should be. But, right. but I guess my point is, is that, uh, <clears throat> yes, I do believe that there should be some sort of transactional payment. Like when you do stuff like, like we have a couple of things like that yeah. going, which, uh, and by the way, I'm so grateful to you cause you've been so helpful with a lot of my projects and I want them to go so I can write you that check. But I will say in some other instances, um, it's okay to do certain, do certain things for the karma points. Totally. Uh, and and also you have to weigh it. Like if you're making a phone call, if you're, if you do like, it pisses me off. People like, really, you want money for me to give you an email address? Or you know what I'm saying? Like in terms of like, you have to, you have to earn the bucks Yeah. in terms. I mean, that to me, making that relationship that you did to NBC, that's, that's a huge deal. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, well, just because it resulted in the, you know I mean? Like, yeah. I guess it's all hindsight, but like well, had it not gone anywhere, then it wouldn't have been a big deal. But this is what I mean about the karma of it all. Right. So, so Eugene helped me out. Yeah. Uh, and I wound up staying there. Um, 
And then all these years later, Jason Dinsmore, who I guess indirectly, I really helped his career because- Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, deal or no deal was very good for him. And so he called me to come at work at CMT. And uh, I got to think that there was some goodwill, you know, with that. So, you know, sometimes when I do a favor for someone and someone says, I owe you one, I just say, I don't keep score. You don't. And I can say from experience, because you and I talk a lot and just kind of share intel yeah. and, you know, hey, just got out from this meeting. They're, this network's looking for this. Or I heard this person's, you know, you you are very gracious that way. And I really, I, I mean, I have to say you were and I've told you this, you are one of the few people that I actually trust oh, <laughs> like for real in the business. Yeah. And I know won't screw me. And I know that I can, you know, sort of have a safe place uh, to talk about yeah. things with. And, and that goes a long way because, you know, as much as you are a hustler and you are in it, oh, sure. you know, you're, you're trying to make a business and you're, yeah. you know, future kids and all that stuff, you know, some people that, that puts them into that mode where, you know, they don't want to help anybody else because they just are out for themselves and you're just not like that. No. And I think that's a real stupid way. To, <laughs> it is, to, but to, to it's sort, common to sort of walk through life. And, and I really also believe to any of the um, liars and idiots out there. Who, <laughs> are you uh, listening? Yeah. Who are listening? <laughs> you know, um, eventually the truth will always reveal itself at some point. So you could either tell it in the beginning or it's going to be told at some point. And I really do believe if you build a career based on just sort of like having a bad moral compass and really being sort of out for yourself and kind of screwing other people that it, 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 I've, I've seen the mighty fall. Yeah. I mean, look, we were joking about it earlier, but l I mean, in the most profound way, look at Les Moonves, look at Harvey Weinstein. I mean, these were yeah. the biggest biggest person in TV, biggest person in film. I mean, the chickens, it took a long ass time, but yeah. they did come home to roost and yeah. a lot of car, a lot of damage along the way. Yeah. Okay. So jumping to CMT. So was that, do we have to talk about CMT? Really? Should we just, should we just not even? No, no, we can. <laughs> no, we was can. it two, three years? I was there like two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was obviously like a departure from the stuff that you have been doing. Yeah. Cause it was such a specific brand and yeah. not really your brand. Right. <laughs> but you thought it would be a cool opportunity? So basically what happened was I was at ITV and uh, working for my really good friend and- uh, Paul Bucciari. Incredible guy, Paul Bucciari. And uh, un unbeknownst to him, because I didn't tell him, but there was a lot of shit going on there that like I wasn't really like down with, with the way that my shows are being produced and stuff. Um, but I never told him because, it, you know, I was just dealing with the people, you know, the production people. And, and so like you would come up with the ideas and then it would get greenlit and would get passed off to production and they were screwing them up essentially. Yeah. I mean, in your view, it's not fair to say it that way. It's, <laughs> it's not that they were screwing them up, but that they were just, they would kind of take control of them. And then uh, it wasn't really that collaborative all the time. Got and, it. And, and sometimes they had like a heavy will on things and but what happened a couple of times in a row is things would get fucked up and then they would ask me to come back in and to clean up the mess yeah and and fix it um so was that in la that i was in new york okay so anyway so like that happened like a bunch of times and then i was like i can't do this anymore so um i asked if i could get out of my deal and they were gracious enough to say yes and i was like i'll go try this thing at cmt and you know, 
I would say it was a great learning opportunity for me. Um, when I look back at like the stuff that we were doing, um, we didn't really totally have a brand filter and we were trying to find it. And, you know, there was, uh, there was just a lot of things going on at Viacom. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there was, and ultimately what happened was like, I know cause we actually experienced it personally with the show that we sold you is that, you know, everything started to merge as they do and right. things start to consolidate. Right. And they basically, um, took over. I mean, they basically eliminated the New York office. Right. But before that, but, but going back to the content there, there definitely were, you know, there was a couple of things we did that I was really, really proud of. Um, we did uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Ranch, which is a great show, actually. Um, Vetri? Did Adam Vetri's show run that? Do you know him? Um, I th- uh, maybe. I don't yeah. remember. But all I remember was on that one, uh, I had just come in and, and it was going. And they okay. showed me the creative. And they were trying to make it like Wipeout. And it was like, oh, they're going to try to catch like a pig. And right. I said, no, no, just do Tough Mudder. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's let's make it a drama. And so that's what we did. And that's that's a terrific show. I did this big uh, or I sold this big doc on the history of NASCAR. Right. Um, that Stephen David did, which was really great. Nice. And and um, the uh, the documentary division at CMT did a bunch of really good docs. So, um, you know, with, with all respect to the people there, there, there was a lot of good stuff that, that definitely came out and some really good storytelling, but then there was the, like the party down South right. piece, <laughs> which was just trash TV yeah. and there's like no other way to say it or to look at it. So, and everything in that orbit was trashy. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember specifically, um, when sitting in your office, when we were talking about the creative for our show and you saying something to the effect of like that it needed to sort of fit in with that oeuvre, you know, of the party down south. And it's like, I think that's a really hard thing when you're a network exec. Like when you're a producer, you know, you run your own ship. You can produce what you want. Yeah. You can, But when you're a network exec, you have to swallow that stuff and you have to promote the brand and yeah. do your, you're a soldier, yeah. essentially. So did there come a point? I mean, obviously, I know it wasn't like you left voluntarily. Everyone was eliminated. But did you feel like... I want to get back to doing what I want to do. And like that leads us to noble savages. Yeah. So, well, well, definitely. Um, yeah. So I got laid off, uh, and it, in fairness though, to, to correct, everybody did at, at, in New York. Like yes. it wasn't like, you know, yes, your boss, like yes. in New York state, like there was no one left. No, we no, literally no. were like, Jason yeah. Dinsmore called us. We're like, well, who do we talk to now? Yeah. yeah <laughs> all no. our friends have left. No, it was like Jonestown, right? It like, was. Yeah. Yeah. We were all gone. <laughs> You're like dead on your office floor. <laughs> Where's Joan? You're like making like tomato pasta or whatever. I have to tell you, it was hard for me. Um, uh, I don't, it wasn't, yeah, maybe my ego was bruised a little bit, but not even my ego because I don't have a big ego. I think I was just like, um, I don't know, like it's, uh, 
it's a weird feeling. It's the only time in my career something like that has happened. I know, but see now looking back, isn't it the best? Oh my God. I mean, if I, I say all I want in my lifetime is to get a job I can get laid off from and get a severance. Well, I had, <laughs> and I had the longest. Right. See, I just get so jealous of these situations. I had the longest, most generous severance. See, what's so bad? Uh, I'm not bragging. This is, it sounds like a brag. It's um, a humble brag. Okay. Well, if it sounds like a brag, just know that I was like in the fetal position right. at, at the beginning You were depressed, of it. but rich. I was, I was depressed, <laughs> but I had money coming in. And yeah. then uh, it took, it took a while for me to get my head on straight again. And yeah. then I started developing and I wound up uh, starting to sell a couple of things. And yeah, I, I remembered like, oh yeah, like this is kind of what I like. You right. know, getting into the creative, not being sort of stuck in the, the machinations of trying to be part of a network. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it is a certain skill set being able to, you know, work on a distribution platform and work with producers and do it well. Like, uh, I don't know Michael Wright, but people talk about how great he is at it. And um, and he runs Epics now. And he runs Epics now. Um, I know, like, he's kind of revered over there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard great things about him, too, but yeah, I don't, I've never met yeah. him. But, but anyway... Uh, yeah, so I started Noble Savages, and uh, it's really been great. It's uh, in the sense of it's been great in the sense of uh, I, I was fortunate. I, I I have a deal over at A and E, so that definitely makes it a lot less stressful. Um, but I've been able to do what I want, and um, you know, sell a lot of stuff from true crime to science to relationship to uh, you know medical. To, um, uh, business home and uh, I have like this low budget horror film that like I'm Ooh, supposed fun. to be doing. Yeah. How'd that come to you? So um, that one was just, uh, I had an idea I, you know, to do this thing um, kind of like a law and order but like um, it's crimes from the headlines that really play like horror movies. So I just went and did a tape and um, tried to sell it as a TV show. I did then it came back to me Um uh, and anyway, so I went to this other producer. He's like, let's do it as a horror franchise. So it's not like a total go yet. But if um, it is, I have the perfect person to work on it. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I just got very excited for him. He's uh, doing, he's producing on History of Horror right now for AMC. Oh, okay. But it's wrapping up in a few weeks. Horror is his life. Is he PhD? He's a producer, writer, brilliant. Oh my God. You'll love him like done deal. I want to meet him anyway, can yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, you can okay. meet him right now. He he works down the street at Asylum. That would be that would be so yeah, good. I will I will say it's for, you know for anyone out there who's doing their own content and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you definitely have to surround yourself with really positive people. <laughs> you know, th- this is where I'm going to sound like Tony Robbins, but <laughs> no, so it's like, true. So, we've, we've talked about this. So forgive me, but like <laughs> you know. I really believe in this. Like, no, no, no negative self-talk. There's enough people who will tear you down. Don't well, and it's hard enough doing yeah, what we do. It's with rejection and yeah, shitty people. Um, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, and then you know, you just need either um, you know access characters, IP, or like uh, a format. If if you're doing nonfiction, or yeah. you need to be Alex Gibney. Like, no, it's any, true. Any of those five, yeah, and then you could just you know, and and you know, if it's good you will get work. Uh, otherwise, like you're just not going to sell an idea. Yeah. And so in terms of, you know, coming back to my, the way I set everything up with being an independent, you know, what are, what are the things that you think gives you an advantage 
by being sort of like the Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire for lack of a better yeah. example, in the marketplace now where it's so consolidated and everyone's been sort of bought up by a bigger company? I don't think I have an advantage. I think that um, uh, I think that people want to work with the bigger companies now. They feel <laughs> more comfortable. They they're they're less inclined to take risks. I do, um, you know. Look, I, I think your relationships are your other than your idea. You know, because oh yeah, everyone's yeah. got content. I guess. I guess. Look, here's here's what I say, and yeah. I and <clears throat> again, I believe this, but I'm letting everyone behind the curtain a little bit. So, like, I say, look, and this is true. If you work with me, um, you're going to get a lot of attention on your idea. I'm going to probably spend more than I should on the <laughs> assets for it. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Yes. Um, the assets are going to look fucking amazing because I do that really well. And I'm going to be straight with you. I'm going to cut you a fair deal. And uh, if we create something good, you know, I could, I could walk it into, you know, just about anywhere, just like anyone else could. And I know we'll produce the shit out of it and, and, and sell it. So now you go, okay, that sounds great, Joe, but why wouldn't I just go to ITV who's done like a, z a zillion hits? And honestly, there's no right or wrong answer. It's if you go to ITV, you are literally one of a hundred ideas that's what on I was, the board. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, I think <clears throat> that's what I would say your advantage is. Yeah, so I've, I've been fortunate. Uh, producers do come to me with ideas and I've gotten some really good ones and um, I'm always looking for new ideas and I think that the people who I've developed with me, uh, you know, some of them go, some of them don't, but um, I, I try to make the process good and right and swift uh, and just. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I guess maybe that is the advantage. Why did you call your company Noble Savages? Because, uh, you know, my uh, definition of a modern day noble savage is someone who uh, operates at the highest level of integrity and is fierce in the pursuit of excellence. And it goes back to just thinking, like, how do you make it in this business? And I just think you need to be the best version of yourself uh, uh, with your craft of what you do. And you just need to operate um, in, in a way where people know that you don't bullshit. And... Um, that's really all you can do is those two things. And I want to attract like fellow savages uh, to work with. I don't want people who just want a gig. I, you know, I don't want people. And I know sometimes you just need a gig, you know, but I, I, I want people who have the fire in their belly, who have yeah. the passion. And I have, I, I'll brag on you for a minute. So you did something that I just thought it will always stick with me. It was really cool. Do you know what I'm thinking? I have no idea. Lilani. Lilani. The thirteen-year-old oh, from yes, Arizona. Yes. So just tell that story Kalani. really quick. Oh, sorry, I got a name. I went to high school with a Lilani. Oh, all right. Right. Anyway, right. Um, yeah. So there was this awesome thirteen-year-old girl who went through something that wasn't so awesome. She was being bullied by a bunch of kids at school, and she went and she did a video and she put all these post-its on her of all like the shitty names people are calling her and. She put it online and she was very vulnerable and she exposed herself and she was crying in the video and saying how she felt. And the, the video, you know, it was truly brave thing to do, uh, you know, uh, unbelievably brave. And I watched it and I really felt for this girl. But then I also said, wow, it's pretty creative uh, what yeah. she did there. Well, so, it went viral. I mean, she got tons of hits. Yeah. So it went viral. And uh, so I, I tracked 
down a family member through Facebook and told him, you know, about my company. And I was like, this little girl, Kalani, is a Noble Savages and this is my company. And so anyway, I got to know her mom and I hired her as a intern for the company and you worked with her. I love this girl was so I mean, your instincts were spot on with her. So smart, so poised, so lovely. Like she is going places. Yeah. So, you know, you you and I got a chance to mentor her. And uh, what I really wanted was, you know, she was getting a lot of you're brave, you're this, which she is, and she's awesome, and she's incredible. And what I wanted to give her was, yeah, you're all those things, but you're pretty talented. And creative. And and you know what? All those people who are bullying you, they're not like being called up by, you know, big production companies <laughs> uh, and given jobs. And or money. Melania Trump. She was like the, uh, she was the star of the Be Best yeah. campaign. Yeah, and that's, you know, but that's a great, you know, like I always say, why not me? Why not now? And, you know, I, I, I say that to myself almost every day. And I think that whatever it is you want to do, you you can get there. And uh, she's a good example of that. Don't let her get away. Don't let her, you hire her right out of high school. I know you it. Draft her. It's like the NBA. I know it. You know, when I do my things, I always ask people about their uh, their parents. And like, that's when they get like, wistful and they they start to cry i asked them about their parents i asked them about growing up and you know what i'm finding is a common theme a lot of people i've interviewed have been bullied and it's really like was like a major factor in their lives that's so interesting because I always say that I didn't overcome enough hardship <laughs> that, that didn't fool me. Like you see all the, you know, the super successful comedians and actors and they've yeah. had like, you know, the worst childhoods. <laughs> I'm like, we needed more adversity. Maybe I'd be like even more successful. I, I had, I had kind <laughs> Did you of have a, a good childhood. I had kind of a shitty childhood. <laughs> see, you there know? you go. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was great in a lot of ways, like a big Italian family right. and a lot of love and, uh, but, you know, we, we, we had to be scrappy and, right. uh, you know, I was fortunate that my mom was, you know, just, uh, you know, she really made me the man that I am today. And, uh, Aww. yeah, she's still alive, she's still alive. You talk, do you talk every day and, uh, we talk like every other day or something like that. And she just was, you know, she, she started her own company. She was an entrepreneur right, the cleaning company. Yeah. Um, what does and, she think you do? Like, does she get what, cause my parents still don't really, not get really. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, you're the producer. <laughs> Why don't you go write a book? You know, my mother-in-law, my husband's mother still thinks I work for Comcast. Like we did, my old company did work for Comcast yeah. and she's like, well, at Comcast, I'm like, I don't work for Comcast. You know, what's funny I never though, did. you know what I like about family? Like when they, uh, if they see one of my things or something like that, they'll, when they say, oh yeah, I saw that thing. I liked it. Like surprise, oh, like oh, shock. Right. It's like, I was like, does that mean you're yeah. expecting to be bored or to not like? Oh, what yeah. I, well, know? back in the day, like when I produced at VH1, like it was, there was some bottom of the barrel. You know, yeah. my parents yeah. would be like so embarrassed to even be my parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, rock and porn is premiering <laughs> Thursday. They're like, oh, we don't know you. <laughs> so now I'm like, things I do can actually make you proud, finally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like by the content that, you know, and like the Chicago project that we're doing, like yeah. there's some really great 
you know, meaty, like important stories that like we finally get to tell. It feels like we don't have to do those like shitty shows no. that we kind of had to do back in the day. No. You know? So we're doing this. Um, Lisa and I are doing this uh, um, Chicago show uh, with these nurses in like a really rough part of Chicago. And uh, it's it's a beast uh, to produce. But along the way, what I noticed was all of the people on our show, they're all from the neighborhood and they all grew up under really oppressive circumstances, a lot of affliction uh, from, you know, uh, being abused uh, physically or sexually or, you know, a lot of them had kids very young, um, single parent households. And uh, here's the really interesting part is that, and they're all people of faith and they all work there and they really look at it as a blessing to take care of the community and the people who come in don't really have a lot and they uh but what i came to realize doing this show is that the nurses need they need to do it they need the hospital as much as the hospital needs them perfectly said and i want to make a larger point and then we'll wrap up about that show in particular because that was a baby of michael weber who's a producer in chicago and it's a long story but anyway um, so that's just a testament. Like she had that show for two years before we kind of got it up and running. And yeah. so that's like, hold on to your, that baby that, you know, you think is dead. It's not dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it really is, but yeah. sometimes it's not the good ones aren't. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll say about that show is like, everyone's trying to figure out like how many times have you been pitched, you know, a drug, uh, a, a sex trafficking show. It's yeah. like nobody can crack the sex trafficking of it all. You know, and I thought I almost did a few weeks ago and I didn't, but my point is with this, it's like, crime and urban neighborhoods. I mean, is there anything more depressing than like what's going on in, you know, like a place like Chicago? So it's like, who wants to see that show? But what we found, right, are is this the hope and the characters and like the Grey's Anatomy in the face of like the most depressing shit you'll ever see. So it's like if, if producers can try to think about like, how do you take, you know, something like that or sex traffic or whatever and like, figure out a way to tell that story without bopping someone over the head with the sort of, you know, either the intellectualness of it or the depression of it or whatever is going to turn off, you know, viewers um, from wanting to feel like they're being lectured with a PBS documentary. Like that is to me a really interesting way to actually do something important, but do it in a way that's, that sort of sneaks up on you where you're like, this is hilarious. And these exactly. women are freaking awesome. Exactly. Well, that's so, like the home run, isn't it? Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. And you know, to, to that point, uh, yeah. And we were able to find the, the laughter and the emotion and the fun and the whimsy, uh, because you have to, I love that word whimsy. Thank right? you for using that. Uh, but, and you know, and, and the other thing, and what you're talking about is, you know, giving people a roller coaster of emotions in a show is so important. And I always tell my people when they're going in a field, I always say, laugh, cry, scream, kiss. I need two. If you can give me three, awesome. <laughs> if you give me four, I will bonus you on the spot. <laughs> Did we get any kisses on this one? Uh, no, we didn't get any kisses. But I think <laughs> we got the other Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, Joe, this is so great. Thank awesome. you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, you know, it's a cool thing. It's fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, it All really right. is. Well, hopefully people will like it. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, not at all. And check out his website, Noble Savages, and check out his real screen. Say again what the column. Yeah, so it's called Close Up with Joe Levecki. Yeah. It's at uh, realscreen.com. And you can hit me up at uh, noblesavages.com. Uh, so hit me up and maybe we could, you know, you never know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to do something together. I like it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right.